not on. <laughs> okay, there we go. The back doors are closed. That means it's time to start. So that's what we are going to do. We are glad you have joined us this morning at West Irwin. Good morning. No one has said that to you yet. Good morning. Uh, just a couple of, of reminders, uh, things that we know there's always so much in the bulletin, a few things can get, can get lost along the way. So just a couple of reminders of what's happening today uh, as well as in the weeks to come. Today, tonight we have a church-wide singing. So our other regularly scheduled Sunday nights uh, are on hold until the next week. It's going to be in the chapel. And so if, if you don't have other plans, be it LTC or small groups or anything else, I uh, would encourage you to come join them for that at 5 o'clock in the chapel. Uh, next, or I guess this coming Saturday, uh, is the Ladies' Inspiration Day. I can tell you, uh, based on our class this morning, also I'm not a lady, but I have been, I've, been, I've been working with those ladies, and they could not be, the ladies who are, are leading that and who are, are taking that mantle on are, are excited about it. Uh, it's been a, several years since uh, West Irwin has had one of these. And so um, there is still one. This is your, today is your last opportunity to sign up. If you haven't yet, that table is back in the foyer. Um, it's going to be, I know for sure it's going to be a great morning. I know uh, just, just so that you're aware, the speakers are not coming from other places. Uh, Kenzie Parrish, Lauren DeLivide, Leanna Freeman, and Sheila Harris are the speakers at this. So it is people that you know that you are sitting beside that uh, just their desire would be to encourage. We have a lot of other ladies who are leading table discussions. And so, again, if you have not yet signed up for that and you are a lady, okay, uh, please take the opportunity this morning to sign up for that. Uh, the last announcement that we have before we uh, begin our time of worship is more of a, a reminder but a, a new request uh, Bill and I have been working with acapella for uh, the last, uh, well, for a while, but uh, more specifically for the last few weeks. As this concert gets closer, we are now uh, less than two weeks away, which I know you all have seen that slide on the screen for what feels like three and a half years, and uh, it's, it's here. Uh, and so uh, we're, we're excited about it, but there is, it's, it's, it's go time for us. And part of that is you may have gotten a call this week from people who have uh, volunteered to help us, but this is going to be a massive undertaking. Um, this is not just a, hey, we're hosting a concert, everybody just show up. We, we provide security, we provide ticket scanners, we provide parking lot attendants, we provide the people who move all of the equipment in, move all of the equipment out. And so, if no one has reached out to you yet, and that is something that you would be willing to do, we would ask that you would reach out to the church office. You can either email uh, the, the office, email address, office at westerwin.com, or call, and uh, Francis will be glad to take your name down, and then Bill or I, one, will reach out to you, but, but we need help. Uh, this will not happen without about 40 other people that are coming alongside us. We've already had a lot of people who have joined us in that who are helping us make that happen, but we do need more help. And so uh, there will be more specifics on that, but if that's something that, that you can help us with, please just reach out. Uh, or, or catch Bill or I after, after church, and I, I promise you we will find a place to put you to work. Uh, and, and again, uh, there are still a few tickets available for March the 3rd. It's a Friday night. And so uh, if you haven't, and haven't bought any tickets and you still want to come, you can go to Acapella's website and purchase tickets there. Uh, but that's going to be an awesome night of worship, but we're here to worship together right now. So I want to ask you to stand. 
And uh, join with me in prayer as we begin our time together here this morning. Heavenly Father God, we are, are grateful for your love, for your care, for your provision in our lives. We're grateful for your unending presence, or even in our darkest moments when we feel most alone. You don't leave us, you don't abandon us, you don't alienate us. God, we are thankful for the opportunity that we have all the time, but on this particular day, together with our church family, to praise your name, to encourage each other, and to bear our hearts open to you, of our love and adoration and just awe of, of, of who you are. So God, help us cast aside all other distractions that we can to give this piece of time solely and completely to you. I pray that we'd be challenged, encouraged, and prepared for the week ahead, and that we would live here, feel, leave here filled with your spirit. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning. You are beautiful beyond description.
Good morning. Let's pray together. Holy God, we humbly bow before you to thank you for your love, mercy, and grace that you freely give to each of us. We thank you for loving us so completely that you would ask your son to suffer such a cruel death, allowing us to be made holy. We thank you that Jesus was willing to lay down his life as the perfect sacrifice for our sins. Almighty Father, we thank you for the blessings that you have given us and for the answer to prayers. We thank you that Eli's surgery went so well. Also that Robert Lee and Elaine Bell and Lori Rhodes' surgeries and procedures were so successful. Father, we have so many other families that are suffering and in need of your help. We ask that you bless Lee Mink's family, Will Christian's family. Also, with be with Camille Mink and Karen Glass. We realize that you know better than us what each of these need. So we ask that you provide what it is in abundance to each of them. Father, we thank you for the church here at West Darwin. We ask that you forgive us of our sins and that you would strengthen your spirit that is within each of us, that we might live a life worthy of your calling. Help us to tell the story of Jesus and to teach the principles laid before us in your scripture. Help each of us to continually walk in your light forgiving each other, showing the mercy and grace to one another that you have given to each of us. Give us courage to speak boldly the truth in love, always recognizing that we have our own imperfections. As we continue to worship, Father, help us to clear our thoughts of worldly concerns and concentrate on you 
so that our praise and worship is wholehearted and is pleasing to you and your son. In his name we pray. Amen. He paid a debt he did not owe. I owe a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away. And now I sing a brand new song, amazing grace. morning. So about a month ago, the youth group went to the Winterfest. It's a youth rally. I don't know why I called it the Winterfest. Went to Winterfest. It's a youth rally in Arlington, Texas. Um, And it is one of my favorite weekends of the year. Honestly, I just kind of use it as an excuse because I love it so much. I think the kids like it all right. Um, But it is such a great weekend. Um, Worship is always fantastic. It's us and just a couple thousand other students uh, from surrounding states. I know that there were some all across the country that came, and worship is fantastic. Uh, The speakers do a fantastic job of bringing creative, convicting, just memorable lessons, lessons that stick with you. Um, One of my favorite lessons from this entire weekend uh, was this. It was the greatest story ever told, and what it was was he came up, he sat down on a bar stool and plopped open a big storybook, and it was the story of Jesus. He just went through it. He spent quite a while. He didn't just read the the whole Gospel of Matthew word for word, but he went through and highlighted some of the different key moments in the life of Christ. And, you know, as we made our way through, we finally made it to uh, the crucifixion, made it to that scene. And that was... Maybe, for me, the most powerful moment of the weekend. Um, You know, whenever you read the story in its fullness and and get to that moment, there's such power in it. And um, just imagine being in that crowd. Imagine, put yourself there as Jesus is being crucified. Here's this man, Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, who you've seen seen him perform all these miracles. You were there whenever he turned uh, a couple of fish and some bread into a feast for 5,000. You saw him make the lame walk and the blind see. Um, The words he said were unlike any you'd ever heard before, and because you believed them, you thought that they were true, and they gave you hope. Um, And then you're there, and you look up, and he's hanging on a cross. Hanging on a cross, blood running down his face, crown of thorns. You know, you'd really believe maybe he was the awaited Messiah, but there you are. You're surrounded by people shouting out to Jesus, crucify him, crucify him. And then above his head are the words, this is Jesus, the king of the Jews. Back to Winterfest. So go back with me to Winterfest. At that moment, whenever we reached that moment in the story, he had us all stand up and uh, still there in our minds, still a part of that crowd, we sang these words. And if you would, uh, I want to pray them. 
pray with me, please? Jesus, Jesus, we love you. We worship and adore you. Glorify thy name and all the earth. Jesus, we pray that your name would be glorified above every other name. We thank you for welcoming us to your table. And Jesus, we love you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. There's actually another song that comes to mind for me uh, quite often during this time of communion. And it's not one that we've sang here at West Sirwin. Honestly, it's not one that I've ever heard sang anywhere. Um, I stumbled across it on Spotify a little while back. And uh, I just want to read to you the lyrics of that song. O cleanser of the mess I've made, upon the hill our places trade. Stretched on a cross, your body crushed. By human hands you formed from dust. O cleanser of the mess I've made, your boundless love for me portrayed. With patience for my learning curve, by holding back what I deserve. 
O cleanser of the mess I've made, with everything at your feet laid, I watch as all my cares erode, and from my soul these words explode. How wonderful your mercy is, how awesome are your ways. I come, I come to worship you for all that you've done. Let's pray. Father God, we don't have the words to thank you for the sacrifice of Christ. Lord, the love that was shown on that cross, and as we, as we put ourselves mentally in that crowd, um, Lord, we know that we are every bit as guilty as every one of those people standing there. Um, and yet, Jesus, you hung there in our place. Um, you, you did trade places with us on that hill. Father, we love you, and we thank you so much for the sacrifice, and it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. coming back for me to live with him eternally. So as we move into our time of contribution, um, I just want to ask you to keep your thoughts fixed on the same place. Keep your thoughts fixed on the sacrifice that Christ made. Um, there's nothing that we've been asked to do that God hasn't already done for us, right? We love because he loved us. And in the same way, we give because he gave everything for us. Um, keep that in mind as we give this morning. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the fact that you haven't just asked us to do stuff willy-nilly. Um, Lord, you lead by example, and we can trust in you because uh, you, you do lead by example. Um, Lord, we can love because of your love for us. Uh, we can give because of what you've given for us. And Lord, I pray that in all things that we do, whether it's giving this morning or all throughout the week. Um, Lord, help us to keep our minds fixed on you, to keep our minds fixed on the truth of all that you've given us. Lord, we love you, and it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.
It's time for the blast program. If you're involved in that, you may be dismissed. And if everyone would stand with me before Bill's lesson, we'll sing, I know whom I have believed. Also hold out those cards. They'll pick up those attendance cards too if you'll give them a chance to do that. Really appreciate that, guys. I know my God. There's been a lot of talk about identity lately, but how far does it go? And is it possible to be wrong? We went to the University of Washington to find out. Are you aware of the debate happening in Washington State around um, the ability to access bathrooms, locker rooms, spas based on gender identity and gender expression? I, I think people should be able to have access to the facility. I think. Uh, bathrooms could and potentially should be gender neutral because there doesn't need to be a classification for differences. I think people definitely should have the ability to go into whichever locker room they want. Uh, I feel like at least public universities should do their best to accommodate for those who do not have a specific uh, gender identity. You know, whether you identify as male or female and whether you're sex at birth is matching to that, you should be able to utilize the resources. So if I told you that I was a woman, what would your response be? Good for you. Okay. Like, <laughs> yeah. Nice to meet you. I'd be like, what? <laughs> really? I don't have a problem with it. I'd ask you how you came to that conclusion. 
If I told you that I was Chinese, what would your response be? I mean, I might be a little surprised, but I would say, good for you. Like, yeah, be who you are. <laughs> I would maybe think you had some Chinese ancestor. I would ask you how you similarly came to that conclusion and why you came to that conclusion. Um, I would have a lot of questions just because on the outside I would assume that you're a white man. If I told you that I was seven years old, what would your response be? Um, I wouldn't believe that immediately. Uh, <laughs> I probably wouldn't believe it, but I mean, I, it wouldn't really bother me that much to go out my way and tell you no, you're wrong. I'd just be like, oh, okay, he wants to say he's seven years old. If you feel seven at heart, then, <laughs> then so be it. Yeah, good for you. <laughs> so if I wanted to enroll in a first grade class, do you think I should be allowed to? Uh, probably not, I guess. I mean, unless you haven't completed first grade up to this point and for some reason need to do that now. If that's where you feel like mentally you should be, then I feel like there are communities that would accept you for that. I would say so long as you're not hindering society and you're not causing harm to other people, I feel like that should be an okay thing. If I told you I'm six feet, five inches, what would you say? That I would question. Why? <laughs> because you're not. <laughs> no, I don't think you're 6'5". If you truly believed you're 6'5", I don't think it's harmful. I think it's fine if you believe that. It doesn't matter to me if you think you're taller than you are. <laughs> so you'd be willing to tell me I'm wrong? I wouldn't tell you you're wrong. No, but I say that um, I don't think that you are. I feel like that's not my place as like another human to say someone is wrong or to draw lines or boundaries. No, I mean, I wouldn't just go like, oh, you're wrong, like, that's wrong to believe in it. Because, I mean, again, it doesn't really bother me what you want to think about your height or anything. So, I can be a Chinese woman. You... <laughs> um, sure. But I can't be a six foot five Chinese woman. Yes. If you thoroughly debated me or explained why you felt that you were six foot five, uh, I feel like I would be very open to saying that you are six foot five, or Chinese, or a woman. It shouldn't be hard to tell a five nine white guy that he's not a six foot five Chinese woman, but clearly it is. Why? What does that say about our culture? And what does that say about our ability to answer the questions that actually are difficult? It shouldn't be hard to tell a 5'9 white guy that he is not a 6'5 Chinese woman. And yet it is. For some. What would cause intelligent people to affirm obviously false statements? There is a complete lack of of common sense there is a complete lack of observation of reality for the sake of something else what is that something else that has taken the place of truth and reality what would cause intelligent people to affirm obviously false statements 
have a friend who moved from this area to Seattle a while back, and he wrote me this week and said, at my work, they continue to hire transgender people. To be honest with you, it is getting harder in some cases to tell what is a real woman and what is not a real woman anymore. And so today we live at a time in this country where it is feelings over truth and emotions over reality. Truth and reality, what is real, what is true, is no longer accepted as reality and truth. Because there's something more important, and we saw it in some of those responses. Well, if you feel like you're a 6'9", 6'5", Chinese woman, then good for you. (laughs) It's one thing for someone to feel that way. It's quite another thing for society to accept that that's what they are. Today, emotions have more validity than obvious truth and physical reality. Post-truth denial of realities requires one to accept that how a person feels is what matters most. And you could tell the, the tension and the conflict that this brought as the questions wore on, couldn't you? At the beginning, it was like, sure, I can accept that you're a woman. Absolutely. Good for you. And then the line of questioning continued until it became so untrue based on the reality that was standing in front of them that they had a hard time accepting that part. Feelings over truth, emotions over truth reality. In our series of messages and lessons from the book Stand Up, Stand Strong by Sarah Barrett, we come today to a section that deals with this whole gender confusion and this transgender question that is uh, everywhere, it seems, in our culture uh, today. So let's start with some biblical foundations. We've already done that in our song service. Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. And that's what we believe, right? Taken right out of the Psalms, that wonderful Amy Grant song from so long ago. That's what we believe, right? Until that word contradicts how I what? feel and what I want. I'm okay with the Bible as God's inspired and authoritative word until it comes through and it tells me something that I don't want to hear or it tells me to do something that I don't want to do or it tells me I can't do something or be something that I want to. Some biblical foundation. First of all, we are created by God in His image. We are created by God in His image. 
I told the story in our Bible class this morning about a, a man I was talking to who was at our house doing some work, and he heard that I was a preacher, and so he asked me, he said, I, I always, when people are willing to admit that they believe in the Bible, that they believe in God, I always like to ask them a question. I said, okay, shoot. And he said, what is the most important verse in the Bible? And I thought, oh, well, there's this one, there's that one, there's this one, there's that one. And so, you know, I, I tried to protect myself and save face and gave him three or four instead of just one. And he said, you want to know what mine is? I said, sure. He said, Genesis 1 verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And he said, if you don't start there, if you don't believe that, then everything that comes after that is not going to matter. And I just kind of put my head down and said, well, I was going to say that one next. That's God's design. And either we believe that or we don't. Either we believe the Genesis account in the first couple of chapters or we don't. We believe that mankind is created male and female in the image of God. We believe that he saw that uh, a relationship with each other was ideal. And so he created us male and female and instituted marriage, holy matrimony. And that is from God. Jesus affirms that teaching. In Matthew chapter 19, Scripture affirms it throughout Old Testament, Gospels, and New Testament, the rest of the New Testament. We are created by God in His image. That's where we start. That gives us our identity. That gives us our self-esteem. That gives us our value. And it gives us our purpose. To glorify and honor the one who made us in his image. But it doesn't stop there. Genesis 1 and 2 goes on to chapter 3. And there we read about the fall of humanity into sin. We read about that event beginning at the earliest time in the Garden of Eden when everything was perfect and everything was wonderful and everything to quote the book of Genesis everything was very good not just good very good and yet Satan tells a lie and Adam and Eve fall for it because of their own selfishness and lust and now humanity has fallen And we all face the consequences of our sins and other sins today. The book of Romans tells us about that. In the first three chapters, it talks about how the Jews had sinned, the people of God, even though they had the law, they didn't keep it. Uh, Chapter 2, the non-Jews sinned because they should have known that there was a creator that made all of this and worshipped him rather than the creation. And yet they would not. And so it sums it up in chapter 3, there is none righteous, no, not even one, quoting from the Old Testament, all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. And in chapter 7, Paul really zooms in on it from a personal perspective. In chapter 7, he doesn't just talk about the fall of humanity, he talks about his own fallenness. The things I want to do, I don't do, the things I don't want to do, those are the very things I find myself doing. And that chapter ends with this great paragraph. What a wretched man I am. He cries out in frustration. Who shall deliver me from this body of death? 
And he answers his own question. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so Romans 8 begins with that great, great statement. There is therefore now what? No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It's not that there's no condemnation because I've never sinned. It's that there's no condemnation because even though I'm a sinner, I am in Christ Jesus. And that is the incredible, wonderful blessing that Tucker led us in in such a wonderful communion meditation as we gathered around the table. Oh, cleanser of the mess I've made. Joyce already Googled it and it's a Point of Grace song, by the way. And we love Pony of Grace. Wonderful. Oh, cleanser of the mess I've made. Let me challenge you this week to pray a few times addressing God in that way. Oh, cleanser of the mess I've made. Why? Because we've all made a mess of our lives. All of us. Every single one of us. The messes look a little different. But we're all a mess. And God could have washed his hands of us just like Pilate tried to wash his hands of Jesus and said, that's it. I gave you everything. You decided you didn't want it. And so you're all condemned. And he would have been completely justified in doing that. Jesus would have been completely justified in saying, I ain't going down there. They had their chance. Oh, cleanser of the mess I've made. You've made a mess of your life. I've made a mess of mine. We've all sinned and come short of God's glory. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will rescue me? And through Jesus Christ, we are more than conquerors, as Romans 8 8 says. And the psalmist in Psalm 139 declares this, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. That is such an incredible psalm, and we'll look at it again next week as we look at some pro-life issues. But Psalm 139 says, God knows everything about me. He knows me from start to finish. He knows every cell. He knit me together in my mother's womb. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And that affirms two things. Number one, it affirms that God created me. And number two, number two, it affirms that I was made on purpose. I'm made the way I'm made, not by accident, not by chance. But I am fearfully and wonderfully made by the Creator. We'll tell the story next week, but in John chapter 9 is a wonderful story of how the disciples and Jesus are walking along and they come across this man who was born blind. And the disciples asked Jesus the question, who sinned, either him or his mother? So who was it? Why was this man born blind? That's the question we want to ask always. Why? And Jesus says, "Eh, wrong question. This man was made for the same reason everyone who has ever been made was made. And that is to glorify God. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. But that's not what our culture sees it as. And so secondly, let's look at gender in the eyes of culture. Gender in the eyes of culture. First of all, culture sees an assigned sex. It's based on our physical anatomy at birth. 
And so they assign us a sex. Culture doesn't declare that this one is male and that one is female. Culture assigns a sex with the understanding and the expectation that that is fluid. It may change later in their life. And then culture speaks of gender identity. This is what you feel you are. And so you have terms like transgender, which is different than your uh, physical anatomy shows, than the gender you were at birth, or cisgender, which is the one who stays with that. It's gender identity. It's gender based on feeling. Something those college students would be quick to accept, but not so much some other things. And then thirdly, gender expression. This is how one publicly demonstrates their gender identity, such as clothing, activities, preferred pronouns, hormone treatment, sex change surgery, and so forth. Sarah Barrett writes, this ideology is being rooted in the minds of children and ingrained throughout every facet of society. We're overwhelmed with it today. As if it's a grand attempt by all the powers that be to make it normal, to normalize it. There are several links to articles in your sermon outline, and one of those is to uh, a New York Times article that one of our members uh, shared with us uh, in the past week or two, and and it's um, <laughs> it, it's from the New York Times, not exactly a bastion of conservative thought, but it's actually, I think, a well-crafted article that shares a bit from both sides, and one of the things that it's talking about is not just right or wrong about uh, children and young people deciding which gender they are based on their feelings, but also talking about how parents are left out of the loop on it in some cases. And how even parents who are okay with their child who was born a daughter deciding that she's a boy instead, but even that group is saying, wait a minute, you you can't force these things on my child without my input. That is something even those who would agree with that say, this should be something that is a family decision, a parental decision. Not based on school or based on media or based on culture. One person has written, transitioning is a social and surgical solution to a problem of our own making. We're cultivating confusion, then, quote, treating it, by damaging the body to match the newly damaged mind. And I think that is right on target. We're convincing our children and others through our culture that you're damaged physically, you need to change, and then we treat this damaged thought by damaging the body. And it hurts me to think about what that child is going to be like and what they're going to think 10 years from now, 20 years from now. Or this young adult, 20 years from now. And there are already some, we even had someone share about it in class. There are already some of those articles from individuals who have done that in years past, now putting out videos imploring people, don't do this. Don't do this. Deal with the issue 
Don't just change the body to match the way you feel at this moment, at this time. But that's where we are, right? Right or wrong doesn't matter right now. What matters is how I feel right now. How I feel a day from now or a year from now, that also doesn't matter. It's only my reality today. Not anyone else's feelings, not anyone else's thoughts, not any authority from God. How I feel right now. Gender in the eyes of culture. But finally, let's look at gender by God's design. I think that is the answer. It is God's design, fearfully and wonderfully made. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. God created them male and female in His own image. And so God created and designed us purposefully. He created and designed us with a purpose, His purpose. And so secondly, the sex change surgeries, as they're called, hormone treatment and so forth, they do not change a a person's sex or gender, nor do they bring fulfillment and peace. A male is still a male. The chromosomes still say male or female. The feelings will come and go. The, The changes may be made physically, but it doesn't make them into something that they're not. It just changes the appearance. And unfortunately, in many cases, it can destroy the life. And it doesn't even work. If the goal is fulfillment and peace, it doesn't work because it doesn't bring that. It can't bring that. Only God can bring that. And confronting God and disobeying God and challenging God on the way He has made us is not the answer that brings peace. It's not. And one thing that helps us understand this discussion is this last point under letter C. Personality and character traits are varied. We understand that, right? Some of you are really, really older than I am, but you remember growing up, right? You have children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren that are growing up, right? And you see them and their friends and you see yourself and your friends. Are you all exactly alike? Of course not. You have the umbrellas of male and female, but underneath those umbrellas there is a wide swath of personal characteristics, uh, personal desires, talents, abilities, characteristics, all of those things. Non-conforming personalities and characteristics, those would be the ones that aren't showing outwardly as a, as a traditional male or a traditional female, whatever that means. Non-conforming personalities and characteristics do not indicate a person is trans- transgender. It simply means they're not like some other people. Temperament is different from sexuality and God's design for male and female is big enough to encompass individuals who don't fit cultural stereotypes. One of the amazing surprises to me is this whole transgender thing is based on cultural stereotypes. Trying to make someone who is not female have all of the cultural, culturally stereotypical outward characteristics of someone who is. In academics, in athletics, artistry, 
they're both male and female. Academics, athletes, artists, all of them. And all others as well. You find them, some of them are male, some of them are female, but they're either male or female. They have different gifts, they have different likes, they have different talents, they have different looks. Some of them stand differently, some of them talk differently. But they're either male or female. As God created them. King David wrote poetry and played a musical instrument, but he was no less a man. Martha was working and serving in the kitchen while Mary sat at Jesus' feet. Both were 100% women. So letter D, before we close, how do we respond in the midst of this gender confusion? I started to just have one bullet point here, and that is, I don't know. (laughs) And that's sort of the answer. But like a good preacher, I'll go on talking anyway. How do we respond in the midst of this gender confusion? Number one, practically and respectfully affirm truth. Yes, do that practically. Yes, do that respectively. Yes, do that considerately. Yes, do that in love. But do that. Affirm truth. I love this quote. Unconditional love does not mean unconditional affirmation and approval. In spite of what our culture and society say. To love unconditionally, they say, you have to approve and condone everything this person believes and stands for and does. And that's just not true. It's not true. That's not unconditional love. It's not the love that God had for his people in the Bible. He never did that. He unconditionally loved them. And he gave them a degree of acceptance, such as we see from Jesus during the, in the Gospels. But he never approved or condoned or affirmed sinful behavior. Never. And we must not either. Secondly, lovingly care for those struggling. And that's the difference. We care about people who are struggling with the gender confusion. We genuinely care about them. And hopefully through our actions... They will know that. They may not like what we say. They may not agree with what we say. They may choose to live their lives completely different. But when they walk away, they will know that we care about them. We can offer godly counsel, support, and love as individuals wrestle with their emotions. Showing love doesn't mean hiding the truth again. But it means sharing the truth and walking with the hurting as they journey down the hard road of healing. It's not immediate. It takes time, compassion, sacrifice, courage, perseverance. We want them to change right now and they just won't. Will we be okay with that? Will we be willing to walk along beside them and share their struggle with them? Number three, live out and affirm biblical masculinity and femininity. And again, there's a wide difference there. But live out and affirm biblical masculinity and femininity. Accept and appreciate the way God made you. Physically, emotionally, mentally, personality-wise, God made you that way. Accept that 
and use these gifts to honor him and serve others. Yes, grow and develop and mature, but don't deny who you are and don't deny how God made you. I love our young families here, and I pray for them regularly. And I love the way they're raising our children. Yes, I said our children. I love the way they're raising our children because they're raising our boys to be men of God. And they're raising our girls to be women of God. And that's as much a challenge, that's more of a challenge today than I've ever seen it in my life. Ever. But that's how they're raising them. And I applaud and appreciate them. We'll close with these two scripture quotes from Genesis 1 and from Psalm 139. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. This morning, if we can bring you closer to your creator, come as we stand and sing our song together. Please pray with me. 
Dear Lord, thank you for this wonderful day that we have to come and worship you. Thank you for all the blessings that you have given us, and please be with the Meek family, the Christians family. Uh, please comfort them and be with them during these hard times, and please be with Eli Hodges. Help him continue to heal and be with the people who are taking care of him as well. Also, please be with everybody on the prayer and care list. Uh, continue to be with their youth group as we continue to grow closer to you and to each other. Please be with us the rest of this week. Uh, help us to keep our minds centered around you. Uh, thank you for dying on the cross for our sins. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.